This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. Hi, it's Vanessa from the Fighting Stigma Show on Free FM. Are you a Waikato local? Do you have an idea for a radio show? Do you want to try your hand at being a content creator on Free FM? If so, check out our website on freefm.org.nz or find Free FM on Facebook and get in touch. There is nothing wrong with your radio. Do not attempt to adjust the frequency. We are controlling transmission. You are about to experience the awe and mystery which reaches from the inner mind to the outer limit frequency. Good evening, my name is Sam. My name is Ricardo. And this is the Outer Limit Frequency. And we would like to dedicate this episode to the memories of Joey Jordison and Dusty Hill. admit right from the start here that our topic for tonight comes across as just a tad vague because revivalists so basically for us this means any artist who has taken it upon themselves to attempt to revive a genre the spirit of another artist or whatever we feel like we'll try to justify this over the next hour and we will have a special look at the finnish power metal band battle beast So to get to the bottom of this whole revivalism idea, let's go all the way back to the 1940s, to the birth of the American folk music revival movement. Thanks to more easily accessible recording technology, many artists of the day turned their attention to preserving old folk songs for posterity. And through these old songs, musicians like Peter Seeger, Burl Ives, Bessie Smith and Arlo Guthrie quickly became people of note. But there was one man who beat them all to the punch, Huddy Leadbatter, a.k.a. Leadbelly. Lead Belly's music career started from a series of recordings made while he was incarcerated in the 1930s and led him to becoming one of the preeminent singers in America. Aside from In the Pines, Lead Better's best-known song is Goodnight Irene, which can be traced back to the 1800s in one form or another. And that's exactly what we're about to play for you. And unless there's somebody out there in Radioland to prove me wrong, I believe that this might be the oldest recording we've ever played on the show. From 1933, this is Lead Belly, Goodnight Irene. Young mother for you She told me that you were too young I wish little Lord that I never seen your face I'm sorry you was born good night Irene, 
In the early 2000s, indie rock made a big splash in the popular music sphere in what I like to refer to as the iPod commercial era, a time when bands like The Strokes, White Stripes, Block Party and Franz Ferdinand were household names. This new glut of young rockers paved the way for the decade's much-lauded post-punk revival. Angular guitars and disaffected vocalists were all the rage, and leading the charge was New York's Interpol. With a distinctly grim sound and an effortless call that harkened back to the Velvet Underground days, it didn't take long for Interpol to become the talk of the town with the 2002 debut, Turn On The Bright Lights, and its follow-up antics. And while the post-punk revival boom appears to have passed us by, you can be assured that a new generation will eventually rediscover Turn On The Bright Lights and start the process all over again. It's kind of beautiful if you think about it. This is Hands Away.
For the sake of this episode, I'm going to refer to the Struts as multi-revivalists, because they not only tried to bring back Brit Pop, but instead of doing it by the way of the Beatles, like the original scene did, they do it via Queen, with their particular brand channeling a lot more glam and frontman Luke Spiller showing his Freddie Mercury influences rather clearly in almost all manners. The dude looks like him and at times even sounds like him. Well, like Freddie, if Freddie didn't look after his voice so much as Spiller has a much rougher tone. I absolutely adore these guys and you have to respect the fact that they managed to get a decent amount of attention despite completely refusing to adhere to what modern pop rock should be. They wear their Brit pop and their glam on their shiny sleeves and they're all the better for it. This is Merry Go Round. pictures off the wall today Cause I can't stand it when you look at me that way I won't sleep in that bed anymore I'd rather be lying here on this hardwood floor I found your jacket with your front door I bought to walk away from me I can't even pour myself a little wine Cause every glass is stained In your lipstick shine Oh no Before my little pill starts kicking in Oh no Before your broken heart starts giving in Here we go up, here we go
There was once a woman who was so inspirational as a revivalist, she ended up kickstarting an entire record label dedicated to that revivalism. In every possible way, the late Sharon Jones was a throwback to a bygone era of funk and soul excellence. Her style was instantly recognisable and comfortably sat beside some of the genre greats, while also urging it kicking and screaming into the future. She was supported not only by her backing band, the Daptones, but also Daptone Records, a New York label that continues to release modern interpretations of classic funk and soul to this very day. And none of it would have been possible without Ms. Jones, a singer who had been rejected by labels for decades until the wizards at Daptone took a chance on her. And this is the album that started it all. The late, great Sharon Jones and the Dap Kings with Got a Thing on My Mind from Dap Dippin' with Sharon Jones and the Dap Kings, 2002. Smith didn't exactly revive any kind of genre or artist. They sure as hell revived themselves, though, and after a pretty solid start with four great albums under their belt, their fifth album, Draw the Line, was just a touch underwhelming. And then with the departure of guitarist Joe Perry, 
Partway through recording the aptly titled Night in the Ruts, it looked like the band might be permanently in the ruts. In 1985, they released Done With Mirrors, intended to be their comeback after Perry rejoined, but it still wasn't clicking. Then a bit of magic happened, because not only did they team up with Run DMC for Walk This Way, but they then released Permanent Vacation, which is just bloody glorious. The obvious song here would be Dude Looks Like a Lady, but honestly it's overplayed, so we're going with the much better Ragdoll. Like thrown away 
In my opinion, the best modern revivalism is coming from a fresh crop of young musicians in England. Squid's debut album is a throwback to the heady days of art-damaged post-punk. Black Country New Road found a way to thread post-rock revival with 90s alt-rock existentialism. And then there's Black Midi. The group's latest album, Cavalcade, is a perplexing proposition. It appears to be trying to revive both the chaotic irreverence of the residents in the mid-70s, as well as the ornately crafted sonic experiments of King Crimson in the late 60s. And if that was all, that would definitely deserve a place in this list. But there's more. Because you see, the young chaps of Black Midi appear to have extrapolated their influences even further, to include the descendants of those two touchstones. It's hard to listen to the album's lead single, John L., without picking up traces of Primus and Mars Volta, who were directly influenced by Residents and Crimson, respectively. This creates a multi-generational kaleidoscope of revival movements that's just freaking addictable. I think I'm obsessed with this band and I might have a problem, but while I sort that out, this is Black Midi with John L.
And now our feature artist. When I decided to do an episode about Battle Beast, I honestly should have seen how much info was easily accessible because, oh no, let's just give this a go anyway. Formed in Helsinki around 2005, Battle Beast started off rather humbly as one of those bands that does their best with entering Battle of the Bands type competitions and often coming up short. However, in 2010, they won two of them, one being the Wacken Metal Battle, which included the final round of the competition being held at the festival itself. A fantastic way to have a potential up-and-comer seen by thousands, including other bands. The original version of Battle Beast is not so much what relates to our feature, though, as even though they were good, with original vocalist Nitty Valo, they weren't what they would become. Their debut album, Steel, did gain a decent amount of attention and lead to tours with Nightwish, but in 2012, when Valo le- left the band and was replaced with Nora Luhimo, things got a lot better. Luhimo brought a certain level of theatricality to the band, and her voice helped to establish their throwback power metal sound. Their second album, the self-titled Battle Beast, was also a huge step up. And our first song by them, Black Ninja, while incredibly cheesy, showcases Nora Luhimo's versatility right from the start.
self-titled album was a great sophomore effort and a great way of showing off the skills of everyone involved but it was still missing something it was very much a throwback to the old heavy metal bands especially the british bands like judas priest and nora very much coming across like a female ronnie james dio but when compared with later albums it was just a little bit more basic Their next album, 2015's Unholy Saviour, went even more power metal with the fantasy imagery and sounding a little bit more full. And this is probably my least favourite album by the band, if we're being honest, but it does contain the wonderful Touch in the Night, which we'll play in just a moment. And it did top the finished charts, plus lead to a tour with Sabaton. So, did fairly well.
after Unholy Savior, the band had a bit of a lineup shakeup, and I'm sorry, but I'm going to butcher whatever names I try to pronounce. Lead guitarist, whose name I think I've got sorted, Anton Kabanen, left due to musical differences with the rest of the band and went on to form Beast in Black, but he was fairly quickly replaced in time for the lead up to a new album. The problem here was not only was he the lead guitarist, but he was also the primary songwriter. When a band loses their primary songwriter, it can be pretty much a death sentence on the level with losing your vocalist. However, Battle Beast had already proven that they would defy death when they replaced Valo with Lou Hemo. And their next album was their best yet, with the Bjorkroth brothers taking over most of the songwriting duties. As this was now sorted mostly by a keyboardist, the musical tone became more of a glam power metal, and everything about the band became more theatrical. Bringer of Pain was not just their best album to this point, but it's probably their best to date and stands out as one of the very best albums of 2017. Before we continue, this is King for a Day.
this new direction proved to be just that, a new direction rather than a one-off. It also proved to be a good move, as now they were touring further with Sabaton, Leaves Eyes, and Majesty, and the album was gaining a lot more traction outside of Finland than any of their previous work had done. In 2019, they released their most recent album, No More Hollywood Endings, which continued on the style established with Bringer of Pain. While it wasn't quite the album Bringer of Pain was, it was still pretty great. And there's not a whole lot I can find out about how well this album did commercially, but it was critically received fairly well, with the obvious praise on the more symphonic and grandiose style, and of course the performance of Nora Luhimo. So our final Battle Beast song, but not our final song, is the title track, No More Hollywood Endings.
so yeah that was the most recent battle beast album and i've heard very little on what they've been up to since obviously 2020 was a terrible year for live music but it does appear that they're getting back into shows recently i would assume it's only a matter of time before we get a new album but in the meantime we have been treated to something rather unexpected Recently, Nora Luhimo released an album under the name of the Nora Luhimo Experience, The Eternal Wheel of Time and Space. This album plays out like a love letter to the styles of music that influenced her and shows off a new side of her that we never would get to see in Battle Beast. Spanning genres like blues, soul, country, gospel, and space rock, this is the best performance by the singer to date, and it's honestly going to be pretty hard for her to top her work here. So our final song for the night is another title track. Eternal Wheel of Time and Space.
And that about does it. Um, yeah. So if you liked what you heard, jump onto Spotify, check out some of our old episodes. There's a whole lot of them. Not all of them, but there's a lot of them. And since you're joining us next week, we will be taking a brief look at music's most literary persons. It's going to be great. And we're going to see you then. Episodes, use the accessmedia.nz app for iOS and Android devices, or subscribe to this podcast via Spotify, iHeartRadio, or Apple Podcasts. This free FM podcast was brought to you with support from New Zealand On Air.